this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, welcome very much. I tell you what, it's uh, Monday, 24 October, the year of our Lord, 2022. Do we have the Jake Tapper? Do we have the Jake Tapper thing? Let's play Jake Tapper. We're going to bring in uh, Tiffany Justice from Mom's Liberty. I want to play the Jake Tapper cold open first. I have to say, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a national conversation about the damage done to kids because of these school closures and the virtual learning and everything, because, I mean, I'm not saying it, there should be a national do-over, but we can't just pretend that fifth graders who are now seventh graders, that that didn't happen, you know? And like, I feel like there should be, and not, not with a blame game, look, it happened, people did it, it was criticized, the school closures, the virtual learning, et cetera, but here we are. Um, there needs to be yeah, like, a, I mean, like a bipartisan movement, you know? Uh, I don't know if we need bipartisanship on this. I think we need answers and accountability. Let's bring in Tiffany Justice. Tiffany, you saw the scores out today. I want to go back because you got slammed again or your group got slammed again uh, in USA Today. I want to I want to fold that into this, the, really what the uh, the results are of these horrific scores that came out today in math particularly. But there's a lot of finger pointing. Walk us through, and this is kind of the um, – the, gen the raison d'etre for Moms for Liberty. So walk us through the, the results of these um, uh, these uh, kind of uh, assessments of where people stand, test about how it's been a complete cratering. And they're blaming it just on uh, COVID-19, but I, my feeling is it goes much, much deeper than that. Tiffany Justice. So we're talking about the NAEP scores at the National Assessment of Educational Progress that were released last, late last night. And what we saw in grades four was a five-point uh, loss for students in math and uh, three points in reading in fourth grade and eight points in grade eight for math and a drop of three points in reading uh, for eighth grade. So huge uh, math uh, losses. It's interesting. I had asked someone once, why do we see more math losses than English losses? They said, well, children generally read when they're outside of school, but they don't do as much math when they're outside of school. And so when you look at the results, it very clearly shows that schools that were open for in-person learning, those students did better than schools that were closed and there were only virtual learning. And so, you know, to Jake Tapper, I say to him, yes, sir, um, there are people that have been having a national conversation about this. Um, I talk to moms and dads every day. We were started in January of, of 2021. Uh, Tina and I both served as school board members. We were concerned about the educational outcomes we were seeing then um, in 20, uh, 2016 to 2020. Add in COVID lockdowns um, for children in closed schools, and, and it's just a recipe for disaster. And our children are the ones that unfortunately are reaping all of the harm. But you've also argued if you just look at the scores even going into it. The United States is not anywhere near the top of the, so I don't, they're using this as a misdirection play. It's all about COVID. These scores are collapsed and clearly they're worse, but 
there's a systemic problem right now in the public school system about where the money's going, what the focus is uh, versus what it needs to be and must be for the students. Walk us through that, because I think this is now they're all going to say you need another trillion dollars. You need stronger teachers unions. They'll come to the their national conversation is all about more money pumped in to the public education program just to be you might as well take it on a wheelbarrow and burn it outside. What were the big problems uh, before even they can start blaming a COVID-19? Yeah, so if you don't listen to James Lindsay, anyone who knows uh, has heard of James Lindsay, if you haven't heard of him, go listen to his podcast on newdiscourses.com. James just did a seminar, which he published there, about the Marxification of education. He said, where did the radicals from the 60s go? Into the classrooms. And so we have had this happening in American schools and, and higher ed institutions for 40 plus years. Um, teachers unions are the foot soldiers of the progressive far left, and they do the bidding and the work of uh, the progressive far left. And, and to be honest, you know, conservatives have ceded the ground of education um, almost completely, certainly in the past 20 years with a real focus on school choice. We believe in school choice, you know, but school choice hinges, hinges on an informed parent. And what we have right now is a situation where there is not a lot of transparency or accountability for teaching or for learning that is happening in the classroom. I was asked recently what one of my concerns was coming out of COVID. It was the fact that we had uh, virtual learning happening, I guess. That's not real school, by the way. Um, you know, it does not work for every student. For some students, it did, but for the majority, it did not. Uh, certainly didn't work for families and for parents. Um, and we didn't see any changes in graduation rates, Steve. We saw kids being promoted onto grades. Uh, we saw kids being continuing to, to graduate. And yet there was no accountability for any teaching or learning that had happened uh, with regards to those students. So you're right. We are not in a good place as far as education is concerned in America. And I was raised uh, in, in the business world. My father was a car dealer. My husband and I own a business. So in, in the world that I come from, um, if you have uh, like real failure in the work that you're doing, let's say you made seatbelts and two thirds of the seatbelts fail to keep people in their seats. Um, you wouldn't stay in business very long, would you? But yet here we are in America where we have rampant educational failure and the teachers unions are saying, just give us more money. And when we say, but wait, the reading scores are really not good and the math scores are super concerning and we want to know what's happening in the classrooms. They're not focusing on academics. They're focusing on social emotional learning, which is therapy as education, that's values education. Stop and ask yourself, if values are being taught in American public schools, whose values are being taught through social emotional learning? The government's? Is anybody okay with that as a parent? When we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion and CRT, oh, it's not being taught. Oh, it is being taught. Oh, it's being taught and it's wonderful. Now in California, we just had a, a, teach, a teacher's college that said they will not send any teachers into a public school in California, public district that has banned CRT because it's so necessary for their teachers to be able to practice it. So, you know, these full circle moments we have where we're showing the hypocrisy of the teachers unions who really have been in control of public education uh, for the past, you know, how many years? And it has to stop. And no business would you continue to be able to raise money and to ask for more money if you had systemic failure. And we do. Two-thirds of American kids weren't reading on grade level before COVID happened, and now it's only getting worse. Let's 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 have a, a couple of minutes on the national conversation. If if Jake Tapper or these people came to you and said, "Okay, we want you as part of the national conversation," 
what would the top couple of conversation topics be for the Moms for Liberty, ma'am? Transparency and accountability. Um, part of uh, parental rights. So our mission is to unify, educate, and empower parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. In order to be able to do that, you need to be able to see what your children are learning. And if there's anyone who doesn't want to show you what your kids are learning, that's probably a red flag that you wouldn't like it. So uh, transparency. We want transparency in education. We want all uh, teachers, we want there to be transparency in what children are being taught, whether that's the curriculum or supplemental materials that are being brought into the classroom. Accountability. We want real accountability here. We want accountability for who's in charge, why they've been in charge this long, and if they have a record of failure, we want them removed. We don't need to have teachers. I spoke recently at a board of education meeting here in Florida. There was a question asked, what should happen to teachers if they violate HB 5057, which was a parental rights and education bill? And I got up and I spoke, I'll send you that video, and I said, um, they should lose their teacher's license. Uh, if you have teachers that are breaking the law in classrooms, they should lose their teaching license. That's not a controversial thing to say. I think parents shouldn't have to be worried that every time they send their child into the classroom, that the teaching in the classroom is going to be antithetical to the teaching in the home. And finally, on the accountability piece, kids are going to school. They're spending a majority of their time there. Parents want their children to be literate, not politically literate, not turned into little social justice warriors, but functionally literate. We want our children to receive practicable skills so that they can be successful in life, that they can go on and be productive citizens who can have families and provide for themselves. That's not the goal of public education today. They want politically literate children. And again, I go back to James, the Marxification of education, where you see that really our children's education and the education system has been stolen. It's been captured. And while American parents consider to think that, you know, we, we continue to think that we um, are sending our kids to get an education, to be successful citizens, and, and to be productive members of our society. In school, uh, that's not what's happening. These children are being taught to be at odds with everything around them and to reject all traditional values or conservative values, to reject their families. And, you know, it is the, the building of the Red Guard in America, uh, and we need a, a parent revolution to stop this cultural revolution that has been started in our classrooms. This, what you lay out is parental rights, the, the uh, accountability and transparency. Why is that getting to be so controversial by the, the progressive left, the teachers unions? Why you want, you have PTAs, you've always wanted parents involved. You want citizens from the community to be on, be on um, school boards. Uh, it's part of civic, your civic obligation as a citizen. Why has this become, for the, for the left, why is this so, you're a demon, this is this is the rise of fascism. What is it about parental rights that has I, I've never seen a meltdown on a topic like this in my life? Why is that? We're talking about a, a fundamental truth, right? Parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. That that means that the government doesn't give you that right, and they can't take it away. And what we saw over the past couple of years was the government very much wants to limit your rights and freedoms based on whatever they think is a compelling interest to do so. Parents are not going to uh, allow their parental rights to be usurped by the government. And so parental rights being fundamental means these are natural rights, God-given rights that you have as a parent. Um, and, and no one can take that away. And so this is this fundamental piece of, of being a human being. 
Um, can you imagine if you had said to our founding fathers, oh, by the way, if you could just write something in uh, to our founding documents, please, that says that parents have the right to direct the upbringing of their children, not the government or the state. Can you imagine what their response would have been? It's kind of what my response was when I was first running for school board and somebody said, you might want to think about this issue of boys going into the girls' room. And I said, what? That's ridiculous. Why would I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't on my radar. I didn't think that was an issue. Now is the time that we have to say the things out loud that are important to us and take a stand on these issues. So um, the fact that parental rights, this idea of fundamental parental rights is being rejected by some members of political parties is just, I mean, I think it's crazy, to be honest with you. These are not partisan issues. Um, so to Jake Tapper's point, I, should this be a bipartisan conversation? It shouldn't be a partisan conversation at all. We should be able to agree to some fundamental things about what it means to be an American and to be a parent. And now is the time for us to come together because there are groups of people, there are elites who want to keep us divided in order to control us. And, and you know, our kids not learning how to read in school, not being able to think for themselves, us being removed from our children's lives in many ways. I mean, you don't have to connect many dots to see that this takes us in a very bad direction as a country. Tiffany, uh, I know from reports on the ground, Connecticut, uh, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, Rhode Island, New York State now with five now congressional seats in play. Uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, the head of the DNC, had to get a $600,000 fusion to save his seat. He's the DNC's chair. New Jersey, the, 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 the veil, this ironclad bastion of the progressive left, which has been New England, has been pierced. And everybody up there is telling me it's not just the inflation, the home heating oil. One of the things is bringing the moms and the parents out that heretofore would not, would not be engaged or vote is parental rights. So this is actually the under the surface, the thing that has got people most outraged, whether it's mass mandates, vaccine mandates, the issue of boys playing girls sports, boys and girls bathrooms. It's just the whole, it's the whole ball of wax there, parental rights. USA Today has uh, really made you the punching bag uh, for for their uh, liberal coverage. Tell us what's going on, the story in, in USA Today, and, and what about the politics of this, particularly related to your uh, to your PAC? So it's been very interesting. You know, uh, I, I think the, the far left has known for quite some time that it's important to keep control of school board seats. Um, and, and that was like a quiet secret that they uh, had. And, and now we have uh, blown the lid off of it. Tina and I, the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, served on school board from 2016 to 2020. We know how important that role is of, of, of a school board member and local politics and the ability that you have to be able to create positive change in your community in that elected position. Um, I think it was the ACLU of Virginia that tweeted out something that stated like eight times over and over and over written, school board elections matter. Yeah, they do. They do matter. And so we put a real focus on school board elections, and uh, it's the only races that we're endorsing in at this point right now across the country. Um, so we're supporting over 200 candidates across the country. Um, we have a political action committee, but we've partnered with others who have been able to raise money in order to be able to fund um, these races. Um, so it, school board elections are incredibly important. And I just say to your audience in general, you know, look to the candidates in your area that are running. Ask them where they stand on fundamental parental rights. There's a Moms for Liberty pledge. You can go to momsforliberty.org backslash pledge. Check that out. Ask them to sign it. We've had some great elected officials that have signed it. Um, and, and make that the litmus test. Are you going to stand with parents to direct the upbringing of their children? Um, and, and so go to momsforliberty.org. You can donate. 
uh, to Moms for Liberty if you'd like to, to help to support chapters on the ground. Um, and, and again, school board races are important. Find your local school board races, figure out who's on that ballot, find your local Moms for Liberty chapter and talk to them about how you can support those candidates. Um, they very much need the support. And uh, the teachers unions have known for a really long time that school board is where it's at. It's how they control everything that's happening in the schools. And so school board candidates, school board members make policy. So again, important position. What you can see happening right now is that teachers unions know they're losing control of the school board. They know that we are in all of the races across the country and we are working to get better candidates elected. So you have people running, teachers unions candidates now running in other races. I think in Chicago, running for mayor, uh, lieutenant governor in Florida is a union boss from Miami. So they're concerned. Uh, we have them on the run. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before the media realizes that putting parents in, back in control of education in this country is going to mean better outcomes for kids. And man, it's about time. Tiffany, one more time. It's 200. You have 200 uh, school board. Uh, you're supporting 200 school board members throughout the country that are running. Uh, this November? Right now, we have our chapters have endorsed over 200 school board candidates across the country. And so November 8th is going to be a great day. Go out and vote. Your vote matters. I know for a long time it has felt in this country like your vote doesn't matter or your voice shouldn't be heard. But I think that our activity and our chapter's activity around the country is showing that your voice does matter. That if you get up and speak and you address these issues in your community, there are a lot of people that think just like you about these issues that are really concerned about kids, and the direction of our country. So be brave, stand up, speak, uh, speak up, and, and get out there and vote. Tiffany, thank you very much for coming on, and I look forward to reading more, uh, many more USA Today hit pieces on you and Mobs for Liberty. It means you're over the target, so thank you very much for joining us. That's right. We can take the hits. We have, we're building an army of parents, Steve, so I say bring it. Absolutely. When, wouldn't, wouldn't think you would respond any other way. Thank you, Tiffany. That's a fighter. I want to go to New York, by the way. So Tiffany's giving you the map all over the country. These uh, school boards uh, could not be more competitive. The left is a complete meltdown every day on MSNBC and CNN, which we monitor here. They're getting more and more uh, outraged by this. I want to go to New York. Madeline Brain, a chairman of the Victims' Rights Reform Committee. She's a former Democrat. Uh, Madeline, walk me through wh why, tell me what the Victims' Rights uh, reform committee is uh, because I, every time I look at New York City with Letitia James and Alvin Bragg and, and Eric Adams, I see where the criminals have uh, their rights protected, but every day I look, somebody else is getting pushed onto a, a subway, uh, uh, you know, into a subway off of a platform, people are being attacked on the streets, minority communities are being terrorized by criminals. So is, is the law enforcement in, uh, in New York City, and particularly the prosecutorial side, more focused on protecting victims or the criminal class? Hello, good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Steve. Um, well, absolutely, um, they're more focused on the criminal than the victim. The victims were never factored into this equation for these uh, progressive, restorative justice, criminal justice, bail reform, um, raise the age. We were never factored in as, you know, mattering. Um, victims are just collateral damage of a whole series of insane policies that are sweeping through 
the New York, uh, through the entire state of New York, and leaving victim after victim, body after body, um, mother after mother going down to the mall to identify body. Um, it's just absolutely horrendous. Ma Madeline, help me out. Help me out here. Ninety or ninety-five percent of the victims are working-class minorities. How could yes, the progressives and the liberal elite are, are supposed to be the, the protectors of, uh, in the MAGA movement, supposed to be anti? How, how can you have a situation where 95% or more of the victims are working class, hardworking, patriotic, decent, uh, minority working class people that are terrorized by this? Why is the liberal elite and the, and the progressives particularly, why are they not protecting those people than the criminals. I, I'm confused. Yes, it, it, it's very confusing. Um, I, I have speculation. I, I have, you know, I, I really can't make heads or tails. I, I really can't make heads or tails of why, you know, um, it's been allowed to happen. Only that, in my opinion, um, my community has been sold out. They sold us out. They, they put these policies in place to make it appear like they were doing something to help um, poor criminals. And in the interim, it ended up victimizing law-abiding, everyday, tax-paying citizens in our communities. And Madeline, do me a favor. You used to be a Democrat. Walk me through your story. Give us your journey. Well, you know, um, I, I've been voting for 40, 41 years, I'm always Democrat, because that's what I was told that uh, Black people were supposed to be, to vote Democrat. Um, I recently changed registration to conservative because my son was killed in 2018 in Harlem. He's an Afghanistan war retired veteran. Um, he was uh, kicked, punched, stomped, and stabbed by four people he did not know. Um, nor had he done any harm. And when I found myself having to deal with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and trying to get justice for my son, I realized that, you know, this is not what I want. These progressive policies, this restorative justice stuff, you know, um, somebody kills somebody, um, you take a life, you do life. You know, th there should be no Provisions made for someone who is charged and indicted with first-degree gang assault and second-degree murder. Especially when Alvin Bragg came into office, um, two of the people who were indicted and in, 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 uh, charged with the first-degree gang assault and murder of my son captured on video, he dropped the murder charges against two of the people and um, charged one with assault with a shoe and sentenced her to one year time served. And they said uh, another one of the male defendants, uh, they charged him with attempted gang assault and sentenced him to seven years. Now, we have a trial starting on Thursday, this Thursday of the two brothers, James and Christopher Saunders. Uh, James is the actual stabber and Christopher is his brother. I have no confidence. I have no faith in this criminal justice system, especially Manhattan District Attorney's Office, because we, we have a, um, a district attorney who refuses to prosecute crime, even murder. So that's one of the reasons why I changed 
funds. Now, tell me, tell us about your son's uh, service uh, in Afghanistan, his service in defense of his country, ma'am. Yes, Hassan um, was a decorated sergeant. He served two tours in Afghanistan. He uh, received and returned enemy fire. He had two kills in the Taliban. And um, Hassan hurt his back scaling a wall. He fell off a wall um, in Kandahar. So he was um, he was able to retire early. But um, Hassan was um, valiant in battle. Uh, he served his country. He protected Americans. He deserves better than what he is getting from our criminal justice system. Madeline, why did that lead you? Tell me about the Victims' Rights Reform Committee. What, tell, tell us what you're trying to accomplish. Well, Victims' Rights Reform Council was, was established because I was trying to, in, in the beginning years, because we're in four years on this case, right? And um, I was trying to figure out what my rights are as a um, mother of a homicide victim. Also, Hassan had, uh, has three small children. And I wanted to know what provisions were in place to protect us, what services were available, what services are provided in the um, New York State Victims Bill of Rights. And it's a very short list of, you know, provisions that are available that absolutely that, that do absolutely nothing to really assist us in our, you know, a grief process, in our, you know, recovering of anything that was lost. So Victims' Rights Reform Council was established, was birthed out of that. And what we do is we advocate and lobby for stronger protections and rights that will protect victims of uh, homicide, homicide victims and their families, and also accidental overdose. So we-, we Madeline, go if you could hang on for, if you, yeah, yeah, just hang on for one second. We're gonna take a short commercial break. When we return, We've got Madeline Brain uh, from New York, an incredibly moving story, a powerful story, and a woman who is not going to let the memory of her heroic veteran son uh, die. Um, we'll return in a moment in the war room. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, we're with uh, Madeline Abrain, a chairman of the Victims' Rights Reform Council. Madeline, uh, there's an election coming up in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us what, uh, for because we have a massive audience, particularly in, in New York State. Uh, you just recently changed your, um, changed your registration. How important is this midterm election? It's a it's election of the governor, the attorney general. Um, in, uh, in it's not the mayor's election, although the new attorney general, if so wanted to, could remove Alvin Bragg. How important is this uh, election on November eighth uh, for the people, and not just in the state of New York, but this in New York City? Well, 
well, this election is imperative. If we never voted before, now is the time to get out there and vote on November 8th. I changed to the conservative party because it aligns with my values, the ones that I was raised with, God, family, and country. Also, the candidates that are up for election. Lee Zeldin, he's a patriot. He's a hero. He's a stand-up guy. He has integrity. He has courage. And he's really sincere in what he's saying. Michael Henry for attorney general. He would make a far better attorney general than Letitia James. Joseph Pinion for senator. It's time for Chuck Schumer to retire. He's been in there for too long. Joe Pinion is smart. He's young. He's savvy. And his message resonates with my community. And so does Lee Zeldin. His message resonates. So I want to encourage everybody out there who's listening. If you Ma never Ma vote Madeline, I'm confused. H hang on. I I'm totally confused now. MSNBC tells me all day long and then the evening with Joanne Reed and, and Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes on and on that your woman of color and that Letitia James represents your interest because she's also a woman of color. Am I, am I not hearing MSNBC correctly or are you confused? MSNBC is lying. Okay. Um, Letitia James, me as a black woman, Letitia James does not, you know, uh, represent me. All right. Um, she's encouraging too many of our young black women to be proud and hold their head up when they go into an abortion clinic to have a, an abortion. All right. Over 20 million black babies have been destroyed through abortion. That's genocide in our community. And she's she is promoting that and encouraging it. Most of us want that to end. We do not want Planned Parenthood in our communities. You want to put something in our communities? Fix the schools. Fix the housing. Put real educational, vocational trade. You want to help our children avoid incarceration? Put some things there that's actually going to divert them from going to the street. Go within the four walls of the home. Find out what's going on in their home. Because that behavior is learned. It's learned inside of the home. Anytime my tax dollars pays to support these children and they're not being cared for properly, I have a problem with that. Because they're the ones who are suffering the most. We need to give them tough love, not this coddling, not just feeling sorry for them and labeling them with mental illness. We need to give them tough love. If, and if anybody who knows what that means, that means that you gotta be hard on them. When they get in trouble, make sure they pay the first time so they can learn a lesson. Forget all this arresting them and letting them go and over and over and over and then don't lock them up until they kill somebody. You're making career criminals out of a whole nother generation. And Letitia James is promoting a whole nother generation of genocide through abortion in our community. 
So that's how I feel about Letitia James. Madeline, how can people find out more about you on social media, your website, and how they find out more about the uh, the Victims' Rights Reform Council? And if they want to support it, where do they go? Okay, you can go to www.victimsrightsreformcouncil.org. And if you would like to donate, um, we, we definitely need support in helping us to take trips to Albany and different states because we advocate all all right. Um, we also have uh, different initiatives that we do. We have uh, battle services where other mothers of homicide victims, we um, like to send someone in court with them so they don't have to sit by themselves like I have been sitting by myself for four years. So I know the feeling of being alone and feeling abandoned and have to deal with that. So th there's certain um, th there's some things that we would like to initiate but we need the support. So please go to our, our website at victimsrightsreformcouncil.org and donate. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. My name, Madeline Brain. Madeline, thank you uh, very much for joining us. You're a patriot, and uh, I think your son would be incredibly uh, proud of the fight you've had, not just for his memory, but for the memory of all victims. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to go to Lauren Davis now from New York City. We're going to go to Texas, Lauren Davis. Lauren, you're running for a judge down in, in Texas. Tell me about what you just heard from Madeline Brain in New York City, uh, ma'am. Yes, I mean, it's no surprise having the same um, kind of wave of Democrats turning Republican for all the reasons she mentioned here in Dallas. Um, Dallas proper can be a very blue, liberal um, city, but I'm, I'm also running for a county race, but countywide, I have, it, I hate to admit it, but I have Davis yard signs showing up in Beto yards. People are starting to, to split their ticket. I've talked to Democrats there say, um, you're the very first Republican I'm ever going to vote for. I had more money in my pocket under Trump. I mean, it's just a very real wave that's sweeping the, um, the country. And I'm, I'm glad to see Republicans be the one to pick up the working class because it, um, you know, the people of America matter. The middle of America matters. Dallas is such a diverse place, but but walk us through it. Is it is it is it crime? Is it the schools? Is it inflation? When you talk to people, because these are all grassroots campaigns, when you're running it at your level. What are folks telling you? What What is top of mind, regardless of their political affiliation? What are folks down at? Because you don't get better than Texans, right? You don't get tougher yes. than Texans. What, what are Texans telling you? It's economy, the prices, gas, everything's out of control. Crime is out of control. We have a Soros-funded DA currently. Um, we had two um, healthcare workers shot at a Methodist hospital recently by a man who was released on parole with an ankle bracelet. So crime is out of control, broad daylight, this happened. Um, our, our communities are being rocked by crime and the first ones to experience it are the uh, minority communities. Uh, it's, a, it's a reality and people are sick and tired of it. The Dallas ISD school system is something we fought uh, personally. Uh, my kids were all in public school up until last year. I've talked to a, a Democrat activist here who came into my campaign headquarters where I am now and said, we're not going to agree on anything, but uh, I hate your opponent, Clay Jenkins. And I said, well, sit down, let's talk. And we ended up leaving 
agreeing on everything. He, one of his biggest issues was uh, Dallas ISD covering up cheese heroin overdoses of children and parents were suffering, wanting help. And the school board covers it up. Uh, the school board, you know, forced masks on my children. And we had that fight last year, but my fight is the same fight as many, many parents. And luckily we had enough resources to make private school a reality. It's not easy, but it's a reality. And there's a lot of people who don't have the extra funds to pay $20,000 a year for private school to avoid the public school system. Um, and here in Dallas, it's 150,000 students. It's enormous school system. And the school board do not care. I've been down there, fought them, named the, the school board trustees by name, and they could care less. In fact, at one point in my fight against the medical mandates, one school board member, Dustin Marshall, had the audacity to instruct the superintendent to block my family's emails through the IT department. So we had the IT cut off our access to the school board. So what every is parent the political, is I think a lot of people are sh yeah, I think a lot of people are shocked when they see that Dallas actually has a very liberal political establishment. Here, here's what I'll get, and this is coming off of uh, Madeline Brain from from New York. The uh, Recipients of the bad education, the terrible education, the terrible health care, the, uh, the, the crime, the actual crime, is the minority community. What do these political elites who are all progressive left Democrats, what do they think they're accomplishing, right? The schools are getting worse. The crime is more out of control. Um, you know, just on every topic, it's worse and worse and worse. And the people that are suffering that is the minority community. What, why do these political elites, what do they think they're accomplishing? Or are they, do they believe they're helping the minority community? You know, I used to be friends with some of them. And when I took my stand, I realized that they hated people like me, everyday people who just believe in Christ and want to go to school and expect their kids to learn the ABCs. And so I think some of them in their mind believe that they're doing a great job. But I think what I've discovered in this process of running for office for the first time and going through this battle in the school is that these people truly believe in the equity argument. They are lacking Christ in their life. So they believe as a man or a woman here on earth that they can manipulate and control people's outcomes. And that's what they are doing to our kids. They're all focused on their data and the outcomes. And you cannot control someone's ultimate destiny and outcome. All you can control are the inputs you put in. And these people just have it backwards and they believe they're playing God uh, with people's lives. Um, they, they believe that they are that powerful. Um, I think that's where the elite uh, portion of it comes in saying, like for example, here in Dallas, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Dallas ISD is great. They're doing so many things for the kids and the community. They have all the CRT, the transgender. I mean, everything that's going across the country is here in Dallas ISD. And they say, oh, you know, that's so great. But none of them put their kids in the school. They don't go there. And they don't go there for a reason because they, they do not punish kids for misbehavior. So my son was in a public high school last year for half a year, fights in the hallways every day, drugs in the bathroom. He had a teacher who actively encourages them to not stand for the pledge. Uh, they're pledging allegiance basically to their mask mandates. And th they have nothing Christ-centered. It's just completely filled with this, this social agenda 
and it's causing kids to to suffer. They're confused. They don't feel welcomed in their school. I mean, heaven forbid you say Christ and you're ridiculed to no end. So I think these people believe they're doing the right thing. They're just on such a wrong path. Lauren, uh, tell people how can they get to your site to find out more about your campaign. We wanted to use you as an example. There are tens of thousands of Lauren Davises, Lauren Davises out there that are running for school boards, running for judgeships, running for town commissions. This is about engagement. You took a heroic step to do it. So how can people get to your website? How can they find out more about you if they're so inclined to support you? Yes. Yes. We need all the support we can get. My website is Davis, the number four Dallas.com. So Davis for Dallas.com. And yes, parents like myself who have no political experience are stepping up. Our government was meant to be run by everyday citizens of, of their communities. And that's what we represent. So Davis for Dallas.com. Lauren, you're a true hero, particularly taking all the grief I know that you're taking in your race. So uh, we've got your back. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. These people are so incredible. Just incredible. Let me bring in Dr. Paul Alexander, a, a long-term uh, time uh, contributor. With He's got a new book out. Dr. Alexander, uh, when I talk to people throughout the country, the, the we call it the three I now this morning on the show. you got inflation. You have immigration, and now you've got injections. That this, uh, particularly the CDC's unanimous vote the other day, had people furious. And we just had Lauren on. There was a huge fight in Dallas. It got her to run for. Um, it got her to run for a judgeship. We had Tiffany Justice on at the beginning of the show. People are fired up. Walk me through. People want to know your opinion. What is your thoughts on what happened Thursday with the CDC, sir? Uh, well, first of all, Steve, you know I think you deserve the praise. You are one of the real patriots out there. I wanted to say that up front. You compliment everyone. You deserve that praise. Now, here's what I'm saying. <clears throat> There's no clinical data. There's no medical justification for zero-risk child. Macari and their Johns Hopkins studied this, and they found across America, and parents must listen to what I'm saying next, we have found not one healthy child not one healthy child got infected with COVID and has died. And that is the data. So what the ASIP, what the CDC did was, they rubber stamped the FDA with this vaccine, this gene injection for these children who have statistical zero risk. The vaccine has failed. It does not protect the upper airways. We know that everyone is getting reinfected. You're gonna to have to get a booster every day at the rate they're going. And the vaccine skews to harms with pericarditis, myocarditis. So parents on a risk management decision could only come to the conclusion that they don't need this. And that you need to stand up and say no. This is the hill that parents must, must be willing to defend. Because Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins, Burks, Walensky, no one up to this moment I'm speaking has prosecuted the case as to why a healthy child in America deserves these COVID gene injections, none. Your healthy child, their innate immune system, and the problem is, CDC knows what I'm saying. Children have an innate immune system, their first line of defense that protects them beautifully. Leave children alone. These gene injections will damage the innate immune system and render children vulnerable 
particularly to autoimmune disease. Many children will die. Steve, I want to say it one more time. Not if many children who get these shots will die. We have seen adults die. Parents need to take a stand. Dr. Alexander, we only got a couple of minutes, but I got I to gotta ask you, why was it 15 to nothing? These people are all credentialized. They all come from the finest universities in the nation. Why was there no dissent? Why was there no, somebody said, uh, just vote naps and I can't do it. Why was there no, even in the debate, why were credentialized people, why did they, why did they not just cave, but actively supported this move, sir? Well, and I, first to answer your questions, I just want to say some praise to Madeleine Braid, who spoke earlier. And I will take her back all the way to the Great Society under Lyndon Baines Johnson, that began the damage of the African-American community in America. That's something that people need to be aware of. Anyway, the key here, Steve, is look, you worked in the administration also. I had the fortune to be in Washington and the misfortune because it was the worst period of my life. But I can tell you, a lot of these public servants in these alphabet agencies, they're scared. They're scared for their own safety. They're scared for their jobs, their careers. They know, many of them, I had conversations with those who support on the Democrat side, on the Republican side. They know that what we've been saying, McCullough, Malone, Dr. Naomi Wolf, what we've been saying is correct, but they're scared. They know they will be out of a job, their careers will be mothballed, their grants, everything will be over. So they're just going along because they have no data. Steve, there is no data anywhere. I'm saying it, and people might say, well, uh, that's a really bold statement. Well, we study the data every day, me, Dr. Rich, we look at the data line by line. There is no data to support this. This is, this is outrageous. It's almost as though they have vaccines to sell. Children do not need these completely. And I think there's, there's potentially more nefarious uh, uh, means and, and, and strategies at play here. I, I know we don't have time. Well, yeah, we'll get into that more. I want to get the cover of the book up because you just said outrageous and furious. The book, Presidential Takedown. I guarantee you in the audience, if you get this book and read it, you will be burning white hot mad. I got a minute uh, to describe, Dr. Alexander, why people should get this book. What story do you tell? Well, well look, Steve, um, Tony Lyons from Skyhorse, who wrote, uh, they wrote Fauci's, um, Robert Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Um, I decided to go with them and Kent um, Heck and Lively. Look, from my stay there, I can tell you it from on the inside point of view. I was at the HHS. And from everything I saw, I can say this, that from day one, for the period I was there, during this pandemic response, it was a concerted effort across the United States government, CDC, NIH, NIAID. They worked against President Trump. And, and the thing is, they would explain people, I think it's because I came from the islands. I'm a very personable, I like to talk. And people felt comfortable that they would tell me, you know, Dr. Alexander, we are working against President Trump. And he doesn't even understand that we will make his administration unmanageable and ungovernable. We will talk about them. And they did it. 
Dr. Alexander, we'll have you back on. The book is Presidential Takedown. Make sure you get it Skyhorse and get it on Amazon right now. We will see you on fire tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.